Get ready for Vancouver's premier real estate podcast. Your source for buying, selling, and investing in Vancouver's real estate market. With your hosts, two guys with faces for radio, Adam and Matt Scalina. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And we have an amazing episode today. We've got UBC Solder School of Business, Tom Davidoff, and he's going to talk to us today about the, the BC Housing Affordability Fund. Yeah, and some of you will likely have heard of the BC Housing Affordability Fund. Uh, that's a Tom and some colleagues of his from UBC and SFU's initiative uh, to deal with some of the challenges uh, that impact real estate here in the Lower Mainland, namely uh, foreign investment and high vacancy rate on properties that are owned by uh, foreign investors. Right. But before we get to Tom's interview, maybe we should kind of talk about what's happened this week. Yeah. I mean, it, hey, there's some big news in the, this week's Globe and Mail. Gian Gameshi? <laughs> no, that's potentially more interesting news. Uh, but uh, the news I'm talking about is... Uh, an article that came out Saturday, February 6th, an expose entitled The Real Estate Technique Fueling Vancouver's Housing Market, right. which is uh, essentially about selling assignments. Right. You know, I, the Globe comes out every once in a while with a technique that's fueling Vancouver's housing market. I think the last one was the technique of getting multiple offers. And yeah. That's, that's the CBC's fueled. covered that a few times I don't know as that well. there's any technique really fueling our market. But regardless, um, you know, it is an interesting article. We're going to be talking to our managing broker at Century 21, who is an expert in all things real estate for sure. And he's going to be talking about how to dissect that article and really understand it in a future episode. Right. And well, we're going to get to that pretty quick. We're going to try and have that one out just because I think a lot of people are confused. And if the comments section says anything angry about what's going on in, in Vancouver real estate, so it's it's a, it's going to be useful to shed some light on 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 that subject of selling assignments. For sure. It's a good thing to talk about. We we also really appreciate the emails that you've sent in with questions and, and kind of directing us to this article in the Globe and Mail. Yeah. We've received quite a few emails. It's an interesting article and... I you know I've I've seen assignment sales for many years in this market and I I really do think that this has been going on for a very long time. It also seems to be more the product of a hot market. It seems to happen when the market is increasing really quickly. So I'm actually not surprised that this is an issue in a market like today's market. And one that you can latch on to. But where I think the causal relationship might be wrong here is I'm not sure that selling assignments is fueling the rising market so much as a byproduct of a rising market where people are seeing opportunities and taking them. But that said, you know, there's a lot of information that came out of that article that I I think raises questions of not only assignment clauses and making sure that the consumer is protected, but also about the obligations of a realtor. And, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm really looking forward to next week's episode where, or sorry, later this week's episode. So look forward to that. So any other final thoughts before we cut to our interview with Tom? Yeah, I mean, one, one thing to point out is we do actually address the expose from Saturday, February 6th with Tom, and he has some interesting thoughts about it. We didn't actually 
discuss it probably as much as we would have right. had it not it's kind of exploded in the popular imagination since we spoke with him so that's one thing to note the second thing is is that i think this interview is so interesting because tom has such a, a holistic and nuanced understanding of what's driving vancouver real estate prices upward and and that makes it such an interesting listen and his bc housing affordability funds so compelling for sure so without further ado here's our interview with ubc professor Tom Davidoff. Enjoy. Hi, Tom. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you very much for having me with you. Great. Hey, thanks for joining us. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is at UBC? Sure. I'm an associate professor in the Strategy and Business Economics Group. I teach real estate at the University of British Columbia. Uh, We uh, teach a couple of uh, MBA classes, several undergrad classes. I teach basic economics. My background is uh, after college, I worked in real estate development in New York. Uh, I got a master's in public planning where I discovered that economics was interesting, Uh, got a PhD in uh, urban planning and economics from MIT, Uh, worked for seven years at UC Berkeley teaching real estate, came up here in 2009, Uh, worked at the Council of Economic Advisors at the White House uh, over the summer of 2011 dealing with the U.S. housing crisis. And uh, recently, I've gotten interested in the situation here in Vancouver. So can you tell us a little bit about the BC Housing Affordability Fund and, and what its goals are? Sure. You know, one of my academic papers uh, talks about where you want to have high property taxes and where you want to have low property taxes. And Vancouver is a place that stands out that we could have very low income and sales taxes if we had higher property taxes here, and it would be a much more efficient economy. And the reason is we've got almost uh, impossible building conditions, which means most of the value in real estate can't run away from a tax. On the other hand, uh, as we've experienced, if you tax businesses and workers enough, they will run away to other places. So our tax system sort of fundamentally misguided. Now, that's fine. There's nothing much you can do about that. If I were in charge, I'd probably try to transition uh, to more of a property tax and lower income and sales taxes. But the problem is making that transition is hard because you've got homeowners who bought houses under the old rules. So you'd need a slow transition to the new rules. That said, Vancouver seems to be a tax haven for people who want to speculate on real estate without caring about the dividend. Let me be clear about what I mean. It appears certainly in the last year and probably over the last 20 years that a major factor driving up housing costs in Vancouver is overseas largely, but probably also domestic demand for real estate just as a speculative asset. When you think about real estate returns, there's sort of two components to a return. There's the capital gain you get from price increases, and then there's the dividend you get from having a tenant in the place. And in Vancouver, more than most cities around the world, almost anywhere, the the returns are dominated by capital gains. Because we have the famous inelastic supply and growing demand, there's a view that rents are going to grow over time. 
And uh, by contrast, property taxes being so low mean that the dividend is going to be even smaller than it would be in a normal high capital gains market. So if you look at San Francisco or L.A. or Seattle, which have substantially higher property taxes, but the same growth story of limited supply and growing demand, those cities uh, have much higher rent to price ratios than Vancouver. When you ask yourself, what's the difference? It's got to be the low property taxes. So that's fueling demand for real estate that essentially strips the dividend off the return. If you're an international uh, rich person who sort of wants a property, maybe you'll visit it once or twice, maybe you'll just hold it, tear it down in a few years and build something new. Giving up the dividend is cheaper in Vancouver than almost anywhere else. That's the fundamental distortion uh, economically here. And that's why it seems hard to understand how we get such high prices given the income levels around here. So one question is, uh, it seems like there's a logic for why foreign investors are attracted to Vancouver. But I know, generally speaking, there's not a lot of data out there. Can you speak to that? Yeah, thanks. So, of course, and and let's transition to the BCHAF proposal. So what we've proposed is, look, we're not going to have a generic property tax increase. That's a political non-starter, even if you compensated people with a reduction in income taxes or sales taxes. So what we've proposed is... Almost everybody is going to be held immune from a one and a half percent property tax increase. The only people who are going to have to pay it are people who leave their homes empty. That is, they don't rent it out uh, or they don't live in it. And even if you live in it, the only way you pay a tax is if you're not paying Canadian income taxes and you're not a Canadian retiree and you haven't lived in the house a long time. So the only people who would have to pay this tax are people who have recently bought a home, don't pay Canadian income tax from that address, uh, and don't rent out the property. So that's largely investors not connected to the local economy and not using the house for its dividend component. Now, a lot of people have suggested that we need something like the utilities Gestapo to count which housing units are vacant. And and you've heard the province say, you know, uh, well, we're not going to do anything about housing affordability, but we will study the problem. So we're going to spend some money and have somebody do a half-baked job uh, counting how many units are underutilized, which is a hard thing to do. Our proposal is much better in that dimension. Why? Because the province or municipalities, whoever enacts our, our proposal gets money, right? You, you charge everybody a tax, and the only way you don't pay the tax is if you tick a box that says why you're exempt. And the exemptions are easy. You're connect, you're collecting CPP funds. That's easy. You know that's very measurable. Uh, you've paid more income tax than you would owe in this property tax. That's easy to measure. You've lived in the house and reported it as your tax home for five to ten years. That's easy. You can do that. You say how much money you sent in uh, to inform the uh, Canada Revenue Agency about your rental income. Again, totally easy for the property owner. There's nothing hard for the property owner, but it's information the city and the province don't seem to have at a property-specific level. So the homeowner, of course, wants to provide that information accurately because it's easily verified and they, they can't fake it very easily. So it's costless almost to the homeowner, and it's not costless to the province and to the municipalities because the province and municipalities actually collect money on those units that are subject to the tax, which we've said should be sent in lump sum checks to everybody who lives and works around the lower mainland. So we find out how what the extent is of nearly vacant units, 
and uh, we we provide money to help people who are struggling with affordability. The lump sum payments you're talking about is that is that based on income or or is it just across the board equal payments? Well, our proposal, is, what we think would be the easiest, is if you declare your a given address as your tax residence, uh, then you share uh, in uh, equally in the revenue raised. So, if there were a hundred people and a hundred thousand dollars raised. Uh, everybody who has reported a uh, tax home, every household reporting a tax home gets uh, an equal share. So that would be a hundred people sharing a hundred thousand bucks would be a thousand bucks ahead. Okay, and and one of the one of you know there's a there's a cast of of culprits that are usually trotted out right in in mm-hmm. in Vancouver real estate, and I'm sure you've had this question more than once about uh, this potentially unfairly targeting uh, certain ethnic groups. Yeah, and how you respond to that. I think that's a great question. You know, our proposal is less targeted based on nationality uh, than anything that's out there. So, for example, the homeowners grant in British Columbia, when I was a foreign homeowner, my first couple of years here in B.C., I didn't get to claim the homeowners grant based on my nationality. By contrast, under our proposal, because I was paying high income tax, I would have been exempt from the BC housing affordability surcharge in my first year as a homeowner. And whether I'd been from Canada, China, the US, Mexico, doesn't matter. As long as you qualify under any of the exemptions, you're exempt. Your your nationality has nothing to do uh, with what we're proposing. It's just whether you're using the home uh, to house somebody who lives and works around BC or has lived and worked around BC. So what kind of impact do you see this having on foreign investment? Is this gonna deter people? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, people who invest to hold real estate and rent it out, which is the natural thing for an investor to do, doesn't lose anything. If anything, the, the property becomes more attractive because whoever rents the property is now entitled to a check. The only type of investor who would become less interested in property is one who finds it just terrible, the idea that you would actually rent out an investment property. Mm-hmm. If you really just love property held vacant, or you want to use the property uh, to live in occasionally or house some of your family part of the year, the property could become a little bit less attractive. It's true. So we think there's a modest negative effect on uh, foreign investment demand. We don't know how big a, a fraction of the market it is, and we don't know how big of a fraction would be deterred from investing. It seems like there is a very long line of people waiting to invest uh, right now from China, but probably inevitably from the rest of the world because of the current low property tax system that would be available to a landlord. So I don't think we're going to chase away foreign capital entirely. There might be a bit of a negative effect, which could dampen prices. But on the other hand, we're making it more attractive to live and work in Vancouver. Uh, The money goes somewhere and it just goes to people who live and work here. So on balance, we think it would be a moderate effect on housing prices. A moderate effect. Okay, because that was my next question. There's obviously a lot of people that have their most of their equity tied up in their property. So that is the big question. Do do you see this having an impact on, on housing prices? Yeah, the B.C. liberals have insisted that any proposal they support can't be devastating to home equity. Mm-hmm. And we t- tailored our proposal so that there's an upside to people who live and work here. And there's only a downside to investors uh, to the extent that they just hate the idea of having somebody rent their property from them. 
So we think on balance, again, it's a pretty modest effect on prices. So we've satisfied the goal of not trashing local property prices and harming people who have, of course, you know, up to a thousand percent of their wealth tied up in their homes. Right, right. How has your proposal been received? Well, you know, the problem with Vancouver today is that it's a tax haven mm -hmm. where investors come and strip the housing function off of housing units. And that is clearly the reason we've seen price increases recently and it's uh, another it's also very likely what's going on behind uh, large rental increases so if you want to address affordability you've got to address Vancouver's status as a tax haven where it's attractive to strip the housing function off of houses. So everybody we've talked to, I think, after at the end of the conversation realizes we've got the only serious plan to address affordability in British Columbia. We've talked to the province. We're talking to the mayor's office soon. Uh, the opposition, uh, David Eby's been very supportive. Uh, we've met with Horgan, who's also supportive. Uh, we have not heard a serious objection from anybody, and every conversation we've had has ended very positively. You know, the thing you worry about is the budget's coming up, and, you heat, and recently people are talking about flip taxes. They're saying don't tear down houses and build luxury houses. Those are fine, but they're not going to address affordability. So we need to people we need people not to get distracted by small issues and look at the fundamental underlying issue that's driving on affordability, and that's the tax haven status of Vancouver, which we address in a sort of surgical way that leaves most homeowner, homeowners without facing any penalty. Right. So there was an article in the Globe and Mail a, a day or two back that that spoke about. Uh, assignments of contracts and, and flippers. So you see that as a fairly minor uh, element in, in yeah. the price increases? Yeah, I mean, what's the problem? They're worried that homeowners aren't getting enough money in, in resale for their houses. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that, that's the number one problem of affordability in Vancouver is that grandma's going to get ripped off and sell her house for $5 million <laughs> instead of $6 million. That was my impression. No, that, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's nothing wrong with assignment. And look, if, if the property is appreciating 20% in six months, you know, it, it, or 40 percent probably in the last six months in some neighborhoods over the period between the date at which this contract to purchase and sell has been executed and the day of closing, the property might have gone up 20 percent. There's no reason somebody who's a speculator wouldn't want to flip it over that period. Right. And if you banned that, all you'd be doing is subtracting value from the property, which hurts the homeowner. So. This is a symptom. Look, you know, I haven't heard a lot about flipping in Winnipeg or Des Moines, Iowa or Wichita, Kansas. And the reason we don't hear about flipping there is you'd be crazy because you can't make any money on flips mm -hmm. in a market where there isn't surging demand. So this is a great example, what you just mentioned, of people taking their eyes off the ball and getting focused on a small symptom, not the underlying problem. So, yeah, flipping Maybe not the greatest thing in the world, but is that's not the underlying issue related to affordability. And it's incredible that as we get near budget day, uh, people are actually getting worked up about it. Yeah, it seemed like there was a causal argument in that in that Global Mail piece that didn't really make sense. Uh, you know, we're in real estate, but the, but the realtor and the the speculators were somehow driving the price up as opposed to. General market conditions. Yeah, general market conditions. Well, well exactly. And you just saw uh, Adrian Carr at a protest rally saying, you know, people building luxury homes is what's driving up housing prices. <laughs> like, the, you know, again, somehow I don't see in Winnipeg 
and Des Moines, Iowa, a lot of teardowns uh, in, in building luxury mansions. And there's a reason it's happening in Vancouver, not uh, Iowa and not uh, Manitoba. So let's focus on the underlying economics and not get hung up on symptoms. So getting back to the model, so is there a different model that that you can kind of point to where you guys took ideas or, you know, has something similar been used elsewhere? Yeah. So, I mean, we're just using basic principles of taxation, which are you ought to tax goods that don't run away from a tax and more lightly tax things like income, uh, sales, etc. So that's the basics. And we're moving in a step towards tax rationality. So, I mean, people have written this for uh, 100, 200 years since they began studying economics. So there's nothing really new there. Then the question is, do other places favor one type of real estate and owner relative to outside investors? And the, and the answer is, of course, absolutely. The homeowners grant in BC, ours is a much more generous uh, set of exemptions. Uh, than offered by the homeowners grant. So right here, we're just extending a tax favoritism that exists, but being more generous to outside investors and not targeting nationality. There have been onerous restrictions based on nationality and high taxes in places like Hong Kong and Australia. The U.S. has many, many uh, ways in which homeowners are given favoritism over landlords in real estate. Uh, Again, ours is much more generous because we treat landlords uh, just as generously as homeowners. And in the U.S., to get these exemptions, you need to be a rich homeowner because uh, working class homeowners don't actually benefit from the mortgage interest deduction and property tax deduction in the U.S. tax code. So lots of places have done sort of more uh, austere and tough penalties for investors in real estate. So ours is actually quite modest. We're you know, taking a step away from the tax haven status for Vancouver, but not eliminating it for investors. Following that, based on sort of a global understanding of Vancouver as as one of these superstar cities emerging for for the global elite, do you see Vancouver as a as a place that is uh, much more attractive than say London or or Paris or or Sydney? Well, you know, look, uh, London is a incredible place to make money. Paris is a cultural center. Sydney uh, is, I think, I haven't been, but I think it's got a lot of the natural appeal of uh, Vancouver, but much better weather. So, you know, what's remarkable about Vancouver is we've got $1,000 a square foot prices without rents that have yet caught up. My concern is Vancouver is going to become unaffordable on the dimension of rents. But because of the lack of income and earning potential here, uh, the really striking thing you see is the rent to price ratio is just so very low. And of course, that has a lot to do with our property tax structure. Do you have any thoughts on Airbnb and sort of tourism Mm. in Vancouver in relation to the dollar? Yeah, Airbnb uh, is an interesting phenomenon. I've been surprised uh, at the sort of underlying demand for short term rentals. If you look at it, it just seems like a lot of markets sustain an awful lot of Airbnb units. Uh, at, at pretty attractive prices. So it may be as attractive to be an Airbnb host as it is to be a landlord. Uh, that has surprised me. Uh, I don't think the numbers, and I've actually been on the record on this, I don't think the numbers yet show Airbnb to be an important driver of unaffordability. But you know, if trends continue, it's not out of the question. One last question, just in terms of the level of data with, and I asked before about uh, uh, foreign buyers and the lack of data, how do you respond to people that might say that this tax is putting the cart ahead of the horse? Well, I guess 
one thing to say is if you don't think foreign investment is an important driver in recent price trends in Vancouver, then I've got a liquefied natural gas facility to sell you. (laughs) That would be one way to say that. Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) The other is, look, the other is there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, we put a low ball estimate in terms of how much revenue we could raise of $90 million. If you take other projections sort of based on the work David Eby did, uh, you could be as high as $3,000 per household in Vancouver. So we'd be able to pay uh, a month of rent in a pretty nice place for every household in Vancouver uh, with the BC Housing Affordability Fund. We don't know between like a small amount and a huge amount how much could be raised. But the beauty of our proposal is we find out while doing something about something that we know is a problem. We just don't know the extent to which it's a problem. And let me just add, as a final thought, you know, people talk about the problem of foreign investment. I think we should talk about it as an opportunity. Think about Robinson Crusoe on his island. Now, his man Friday probably wasn't so happy about foreign investment when Robinson Crusoe arrived. But now Robinson Crusoe, suppose there's a luxury ship full of tourists off his island. And, and, and those guys have indicated an interest in buying property from Robinson Crusoe and his man Friday. Robinson Crusoe shouldn't throw rocks and sticks at the guys on the tour boat because they can give him caviar and bananas and other delicious things that he's probably really hungry for. Okay, so it's an opportunity that these Mm -hmm. guys have arrived wanting to give wealth for the land on the island. The problem is this is the sort of goose that laid the golden egg, but it's not laying a golden egg on the head of renters. It's laying something else on the head of renters. So how do we address that? Well, our proposal takes some of the benefit that's accruing to homeowners uh, through through capital gains and uh, redistributes it, if you like, to everybody struggling with affordability. So let's think about foreign investment as an opportunity. Let's not get up in arms. Let's say, you know, we're not going to cut a stupid trade deal with China, as Donald Trump likes to say. We're going to actually uh, reap the benefits of our tremendous real estate. So it, it foreign investment is a good thing in Vancouver. It's only a bad thing to the extent that politicians are too stupid and lazy to uh, deal with it in an appropriate manner. Perfect. Well, we'll leave it there. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tom. Total pleasure. Okay. Have a great day. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks, our interview with UBC Sauter School of Business, Professor Tom Davidoff. And his boy Friday. Right. One of the better analogies, I think, that I've heard uh, about the Vancouver real estate market. Such an interesting guy. For sure. It was great. So, Matt, how can people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at 778-847-2854 or at matt at scalinarealestate.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at scalinarealestate.com. You can also reach both of us on our nonpartisan email, info at scalinarealestate.com. And please do us a favor. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, it really helps. And uh, also subscribe because uh, we, we're really still trying to get the numbers up and hey, grow we're, this thing. Yeah, we're trying to grow this thing. And, and hey, we have uh, another uh, another episode soon with uh, Mike Hofer that's going to be great. So you'll want to subscribe. For sure. Don't want to sure. miss that one. And uh, also, if you like it, share it with your friends. But have a great week. Take care. 
This has been the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast with Adam and Matt Scalina. Contact us anytime at 778-866-4574 or 778-847-2854 or online at www.scalinarealestate.com. Subscribe today.